Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Oh my gosh, you guys, I am so excited to have you here. Today is all about the agent-author relationship, and we're going to be diving in with um, an amazing duo. Um, Adrian, do you want to first start and tell us about yourself and what you represent? Sure. I'm Adrian Rantos or Helen. I'm an agent at Folio Literary Management. I've been agenting for about 15 years now, so most of my adult life. <laughs> uh, it feels like I've been reading manuscripts forever. I represent a little bit of everything, fiction, nonfiction, children's and adults. I especially love feminist books, things that lift up women's experiences or make me think about what it's like to be a woman in the world with new perspectives. I love books that make me think about the world in a different way, love underrepresented voices, neurodivergent authors and characters, which I'm sure we'll talk about. I tend to like sort of unusual or unexpected, maybe a little weird, but still accessible. Love humor, but uh, especially on the children's side, picture books, middle grade, young adult is the real core of my list. And I've been representing children's books from the very beginning. And it's been a huge pleasure to introduce uh, books to new readers. Gosh, so exciting. And Jocelyn, um, you're one of Adrian's clients. Do you want to tell us about yourself? I write middle grade. I have five kids, so I kind of have a built-in audience. And also, you know, they're whenever I write something new, they're always the first ones that I'll go to. And they'll always say, you know, that they love it. But I love being able to actually watch them, like while I'm reading mm -hmm. stuff, because I can gauge um, <laughs> whether it's good or bad based off of their reactions. So... Um, I think being a mom definitely helps with that, but really just, just writing right now. And um, I'm a product photographer. So basically just, I have a lot of creative hobbies that I've turned into jobs. <laughs> you know, like, like, like lots of moms, you know, and I think yeah. that, that's so interesting that we're always like, well, we're this and we're this and we're that, yeah. you know, but it's all, it all is for the greater good. So Jocelyn, tell us, let's go right back to the beginning. We want to know how your publishing journey went for you. So I'm not published yet, yeah. but um, I've been really trying this on this specific book. I've been working on this specific book for a little over a year and a half. Well, I think about a year and a half, a little under that maybe, um, which is really quick actually for like to start writing something and to have it agented beyond sub. All of that I feel like is very fast. So I could tell you my story and make it sound like everything happened like lightning quick, <laughs> but it was not my first book that I wrote. It was my first middle grade book, but it wasn't my first book. I think I completed my first full book that I queried like when I was 18, mm -hmm. um, but I was 18 and it was like an adult romance book. So it definitely didn't <laughs> work out. Um, I think I sent it to like two people and then I was like, uh, no, this is not the one. 
<laughs> and so then I wrote a YA book and I queried, I think I sent like 30 queries on it and I got a full request. And my feedback was that he said he felt like the pacing was just a little off. And I was like, well, it's hot garbage starting over, you know, like instead of just trying to fix it, keeping going. Um, but I was pregnant at the time. And then I had five kids, like in not a very, like a short period of time. And then I really didn't write. Um, so I, from that time to like a year and a half ago, I had other creative hobbies, but I wasn't writing. I was reading a ton and reading like with my kids constantly, but it really took my son saying, Hey, would you write a book like about this? I want a character, you know, that has this, I can't find it anywhere. And, um, this is what I want to read. And I was like, Oh yeah, I could do that. So I made a point to write a book with a neurodivergent main character with dysgraphia, which he had just been diagnosed with, which is kind of like dyslexia for people who don't know, except for it's not when he's reading, it's when he's writing. So whenever he had, he can know the answer in his head. He can know how to spell something. He can know how to do a math problem. But when he goes to write it down on paper, it doesn't come out the way that he wants it to. We miss letter. Like it's just, it's a whole thing that I didn't even know existed really until um, he was diagnosed. And then I have another son that was just diagnosed with it also. So we have lots of <laughs> experience over here with dealing with that. But um, that was the starting point for this book. And so I did like a really rough draft. I cranked it out this book in like three months, I think. And then I like read it to them and they were so excited. And then I was like, okay, like this book, it's very rough. It's not the one as far as what I would actually try to sell, but the characters, you know, were in there and the main story was in there. I was like, I can do better. So I think I rewrote this book four or five times completely, like from start to finish. So the book in the form it's in now is nothing like it was the first time that I read it to them, but it's still the only middle grade book that I've written so far. And um, I've had so much fun with it. I love writing middle grade. It's very different, but really, really love it. And I love reading it too. So it doesn't feel like a job. It just feels like having fun, which I love. I love that too. And I think I love the story of your son asking, and then you just creating, a, you know, this magical world around, you know, his taste so he can see himself. And I think as a former teacher, that's always like so important for kids. And I think that it's, it's really what can take, especially a kid that might not be a great reader into a great reader, which always makes middle yeah. grades so interesting. Uh, so Adrian, what did you see in this book? Like, why did you pick up this project? Um, well, Jocelyn queried me through my submissions folder, um, which is very full these days. And usually I'm reading through uh, chronologically, but she had gotten an offer of representation and which I saw come in and bumped to the top of my reading list. Um, and I read it right away and just totally consumed it. It was, it arrived when I was in a little bit of a reading slump where I just wasn't really loving the 
things that I was reading, books that I had picked up from the bookstore that I just didn't love or things that I was starting and getting distracted with and putting down again and just feeling really bummed out by my reading choices. And I read Brooks Adler in The Way Between Worlds when it came in and I just consumed it. I was just totally in love with these characters, the main character who has a lot of things stacked against him in a middle school setting who is just so winning. You're just rooting for him to succeed, to make friends, to have people recognize how lovable he is. There's a lot of sibling rivalry and teams in this book, and it just felt so authentic and true to life of people who clearly love each other but are also really irritated by each other (laughs) (laughs) are squabbling but have to, you know, band together to achieve what they want and when the stakes are especially high they absolutely have each other's backs a lot of guilt and responsibility and just really complex sibling emotions that felt so true to you know my relationship with my own brother and um it was making me think about all of the things that i love about sort of peering into other people's family relationships which is so complicated and it was being i was being led through this book by Brooks, who I just found so endearing. It's a portal fantasy. So you're sort of pulled from the real world where you sort of see how Brooks' specific qualities make him stand out a little bit among his peers. And you're sort of anxious about how school is going to go for him. And then you're pulled through into this fantasy world where his skills are sort of are helping him solve some of the puzzles of this new world. And Mm. You just see him thrive. He falls into this fantasy world of the books that he's obsessed with in real life. And you can just see how obsessively in love with this world he is. And I just found that so endearing. So I just consumed it. I loved it right away. I remember telling my husband, like, this is what I love about agenting. It's like you just recognize when something is just ringing a bell for you. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt reading this book. So um, I was getting the warm and fuzzies. I was was like, oh, it's it's like when you watch like Love is Blind or something. You're like, oh, look at them. I watched that when I had COVID. Um, It feels so good. Right. I mean, that was beautiful. It's just like when you really connect with something and recognize the things that like are really life affirming about it. Right. It sounds like Jocelyn's voice um, that she's done something that I think you really want in middle grade, which is that essential childlike experience. Right. That that I think middle grade has to have a an author that gets us right in there in childhood. It's not, you know, the adult is not in the room. And I fa- it sounds right. like that's what she did really effectively. Um totally. It didn't feel like there was an adult telling me a story. It felt like I was really living Brooks's life. And there's an immense amount of heart in this book, which I think is also really important in middle grade. It's like one of those qualities that like with YA um or adult fiction, you can have a really incredible thriller or mystery where you're turning the pages and you just want to know what's happening but the heart isn't an instrumental part of it Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to write it's something that you can't really edit into a book it's something that's either there or it's not Mm -hmm. and I think that it's what makes middle grade a really complicated genre to do right because it needs to have all the qualities of a great mystery or a great thriller but it also has to have that sort of heart quality where you're rooting for these kids and seeing 
seeing yourself in them and also sort of seeing exactly like you said earlier, seeing those little breadcrumbs that a reluctant reader might pick up and appreciate. And that's hard to do. I know. Mm-hmm. When I was a teacher, I was such a, I was such a, a pushover. I would be reading books like that and they'd be like, just a little more. I'd be like, okay, just a little more. Okay. <laughs> and you know, that I was like, oh, I'm really not meeting the benchmarks here. That's <laughs> yeah. probably why I'm not Five doing that. Five o'clock in the afternoon. I feel like we should wrap it up. <laughs> so, so, so something, this comes up with the Manuscript Academy all the time, right? So this idea of how many queries do you put out there, you know, when you are offered a rep and it moves to the top. So I'm just wondering what that process was like for you, Jocelyn. So how long had you been sitting in a slush pile and then how quickly did everything move once you got the initial offer so when i thought this book was ready like to query i was wrong spoiler alert <laughs> i <laughs> sent like 15 queries um i want to say it was like may of last year um and i sent it to people who respond really quickly so that i could get an idea and it was all form rejections And so, you know, I'd had beta readers, I had had everything and I couldn't quite put my finger on what was wrong. And um, it was actually one of my critique partners who said, well, have you tried Manuscript Academy yet? And I didn't even know it existed. I'm so grateful to her. Um, I did some agent meetings and I I did quite a few, honestly, and realized I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you. This is not like, I did not prompt her to say that. (laughs) No, no, I actually just love Manuscript Academy so much. Thank you. I always tell everybody about it. And actually, I know Adrian is um, an agent that people can talk to now, but at the time that I was doing it, she wasn't. She wasn't there. So that's not how we met. I really met her through her slush pile. But um, without Manuscript Academy, I don't think she would have ever, you know, been interested. So there's two agents that I had meetings with that I think helped tremendously. Eric Smith was one of them. He gave me written feedback before we had our conversation where he was just like, Hey, this might be killing you in your query letter. Like take it out, fix this. You know, like I think he helped me a ton with my query and Erica Finkel um, helped so much too. She really told me she thought I was starting in the wrong spot. I originally had everybody meeting Brooks like at home with his family, which really everybody acts different at home with their family. They're comfortable. You know, he was comfortable. He wasn't, you weren't seeing him the way that you needed to as a reader to connect with him. You weren't seeing him struggling with his peers or struggling, you know, with his day-to-day life. And so I completely rewrote the beginning and rewrote my query letter and then had my critique partners look at it again. And then I had another meeting and I was like, am I ready to query? Like, I feel ready. I feel ready. And she was like, yes, don't you dare change anything. Send it out. And so that night I sent out, I think like 10 queries. And then I got up the next morning and I was like, no, she's just so nice. Like she was just being nice to me. That was stupid. Like, why did I listen to her? And so I set up another meeting and I was like, tell me, like, okay, tell me what I need to fix. And she said, nothing. Like, it's good. Send it out. And I was like, no, that's not how this is supposed to work. I know. They don't lie. Yeah, exactly. I was like, no. 
But I felt good enough at that point that I went through my list and I had a whole list already of everybody that I wanted to query and I just started sending it to everybody. So once I knew that was open, so once I knew that my query was good and my first pages were good, I just went through and went ahead and sent. Um, so the actual process of querying I sent out, I think my offer, my first offer was query number 50. I wrote it down. I looked it up. Hold on. My first offer was query number 57. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I sent those all out like within a few weeks of each other. And so I think it was three months from when I started querying with this version of the book and from when I got my first offer. But our offer phone call was not for another like three and a half weeks because it was over Christmas and um, all kinds of scheduling issues. And so when there were people on my list that opened up that I was still interested in, I sent those queries and Adrian happened to be one who didn't open up until the beginning of January. And so I sent that out to her. So I think all told, I sent 92 queries. I had two offers and one r and I think that it's it's remarkable. So, I mean, there's so much I love this story. One, the, your stick-to-itiveness. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, like, like that's those are a lot of queries and some people will stop after 30. But I mm-hmm. love this. And we talk about this all the time, this notion of it might just be just a little tightening or a little clip or something that you do that's hookier or like often, often things are so close and it's just kind of like playing around with, you know, maybe the query wasn't good enough or maybe those first pages. Okay. You fix those things. You talk to all your people and then you put it out there again and you put it out there again. And I think like, it's grit. Like I just feel like what you have is grit. I think that is something that you really, you know, want as someone that's an artist because the world is difficult. So going back to that. So do you find this theme of grit, um, Adrian, or this theme of authors that are willing to go the distance? Like what is your common denominator with with your clients? Well, I think there are a lot of lessons that you learn in the querying process that absolutely follow through through the submission process as Jocelyn, I'm sure, is experiencing now as we're sort of at the very beginning of submitting to publishers where there's a lot of waiting. There's, you know, waiting for folks to read. There's waiting for folks to read at the right time, finding the right person at the right place at the right time, finding someone that has a hole in their list, finding someone who, you know, loves it instead of just likes it. And it's part of the same, absolutely the same strategy between rounds on submissions of tweaking my pitch, tweaking the first pages. If there's editorial feedback that we're getting from editors, then we'll work on the manuscript a bit more. And over my career, I've definitely sold books on second, third, or fourth rounds just from those small tweaks. And I think that the exercise of seeking feedback and metabolizing feedback is a really important skill for people trying to do this work professionally. Every manuscript is always a work in progress, even when it's a finished book sitting on the bookshelf, an author is going to look at it and feel like, like, I wish that I had just changed that one thing. (laughs) There's always going to be regrets or things that you wish you could change. Um, And I think that's 
you know, part of the editorial mind. But yeah, it's a work in progress for sure. I feel like I've always taken like when I get rejections, that's when I don't really get like I for some reason it like amps me up. I get really excited like, okay, well, they said no, but here's something that I can fix. Like I'm proactive. There's something I want to do at that point where I'm like, okay. So like when I got rejections on full requests, when I got rejections on that kind of stuff, um, I go to my CP and I, my, my critique partner and I'd be like, okay, here's what they said. And what do you think? And then I have the most wonderful um, critique partner who I talk to all of the time and she'll talk through this with me and I'll say, okay, well, what would you think if I did this? And I have based off of rejections, like completely rewritten um, this book so many times. I think I changed tenses three times. So it started the first time I wrote the book, it was in third person and I rewrote it once in first person and in its present form, it's first person present tense because I just wanted to get closer and closer to Brooks's voice and farther away from mine. And I feel like every time I rewrote it, I got closer to my goal. And so there is a lot of being willing to hear what people are saying and being willing to not be like, but I love this just like it is because you can keep the parts that you're super in love with, you know, but figuring out, I, I don't know if I'll ever be like, I can't make this better. I feel like I'm always going to be that person that's like, what if we did this? So, <laughs> right. We're, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's, I think it's kind of like running, right? Like runners just run, <laughs> writers just write. <laughs> um, how has your life changed, Jocelyn, since I'm signing with Adrian? Um, honestly, I feel like so much less of the burden is like just on me. I have someone else that gets to do the emailing and the researching. And I feel like I have more time to write, like just write things that make me happy and Right. You know, um, first drafts are kind of magical. I feel like before you start the editing, like there's, I'm an overwriter. I'm an over sharer when we're like telling <laughs> stories and stuff. I'm just keep talking. It's just like word vomit. And my writing is a little like that. I have to go through and just cut <laughs> large portions because it doesn't matter. Right. Like make your graveyard. graveyard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So um, what do you both think is the common myth about the road to publication that you'd like our listeners to know? Like what's the myth? Um, well, I, I'm sure that most writers know that it's not easy and it's not a straight path. Um, and I think that it's just like with querying or having books on submission, it's waiting for the right person at the right time. I had just come back from maternity leave, which is why I was closed to queries, and then opened them back up in January when I was able to start reading again. And you just never really know when the right person that you're waiting for is on maternity leave mm -hmm. or down with COVID. Or, right. Or, right. Or, Especially Especially now, right? Like, especially now as people, you, you hear the grumbling about, well, they're not getting back to you, but there's so many factors of life right now, you know? Yeah. And you just don't know what agents or editors are going through. And it's hard to exercise that sort of patience and grace with your collaborators. And it's, you know, you're, it's a lot of waiting and waiting for the right person at the right time. I also think there's just so much luck that goes into it. And we don't want to talk about that all always, you know, because you don't want to think that the only reason your book didn't go somewhere is because you just didn't, you know, no one was open. That was, that was the person that was going to say yes. 
And so that part is hard to think about, but, but there really is, there's a ton of luck. Yeah. I have this theory too, about projects and I feel like they have an energy to them. And sometimes like a project, it's just like, nothing's working, nothing's working, nothing's working. And all of a sudden you'll just be, well, like start moving on its own, you know, and you'll be like, come back, I have to fix you <laughs> or whatever. But it is, and it's like, it is the right book, the right time, but it is, it's the right group of people. It's the right mm -hmm. situation. It might be you thought it was the right time for you in your life, but then, you know, it, it turned out that would have been an awful time to have had that project come, you know, because of whether it's motherhood or a new job or a sickness or aging parents. I and mean, there's so many things that you can look at that and say, oh, I wish I wanted this to happen during this time. But then you look back and you're like, well, if I had sold my book during this time and then this happened in my life, I couldn't have even been present for that book on its journey. I mean, it's, it's just kind of a weird thing. I think it's almost magical. Like I, I think it's luck, but I think there's something magical about it. And maybe that changes once, you know, you're established and you're just kind of a machine kicking out books, but I think there's energy around it. I don't know if I'm, I'm too out there, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I get what you're saying. So what are you guys reading right now? Hmm, I just finished Skandar and the Unicorn Thief, which is phenomenal. My son, it was not on my TBR, but he finished it and he wanted me to, um, he wanted to talk about it so bad, but he knows that I get irritable if he ruins all of the plot points <laughs> for me beforehand. So he was like, mom, 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 mom. So I had to move it up, but it was really good. I'm excited for book two to come out. Adrian, are you, are you reading anything really fun right now? I'm reading The Mirror and the Light, the third book in the Thomas Cromwell uh, series by Hilary Mantel. Mm -hmm. um, I read Bring Up the Bodies when my son was born. He was in the NICU for six mm -hmm. weeks because he was born early. And it was this totally surreal period of time where I was postpartum but didn't have a baby. Mm -hmm. And I was reading so much just plowing through books. It was extremely escapist during this very stressful time. And I read Bring Up the Bodies. I read a lot of escapist fiction during COVID, early COVID also. I love reading books that are like nothing like the life that I'm living, <laughs> especially when my life is especially hard. So I consumed Bring Up the Bodies when my son was in the hospital. And now after Hilary Mantel passed away, I uh, am reading the third book in the series and totally loving it. It's mm. absolutely nothing like my life. Very hard to relate to, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing an interview about how she put everything in. She knew it was the last book and she put everything into it. That's, it uh, so sort of feels like that. Yeah. So tell us, is, is, <laughs> better is, or worse. is your little boy, is he doing better now? Yeah. He's oh, a totally good. normal. Yeah. He's, Great. of course, he's sick now, which is a bummer, <laughs> right. but yeah, totally normal baby. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. It's so hard when they're, when they're, you know, not feeling well. Um, So this is our final question. It's just, if you want to leave us with just your number one tips for writers. Um, I, this is not a plug for Manuscript Wishlist or Manuscript Academy, but I would say that marshalling all of your resources for whatever that means to you, whether it's conferences or meeting with professionals or hearing people speak, um, whether that's other writers in your genre or agents or editors, um, doing that research on the industry and sort of seeing writing the book is one whole branch of being a writer, but submitting a book to an agent and trying to get it published is entering into a whole nother career. And I think being informed about what that career path might be and really educating yourself on what's a good query letter, what are the components that I really need to hit 
hit? How can I sound professional? How can I be as well read in my category as I can? What sort of um, publisher am I aiming for? What are my comparative titles? Like thinking about all of the beginning stages of, of marketing and publicity are tools that are really valuable all along the way. Mm-hmm. A really great query letter I'll absolutely reuse for my pitch to editors who will absolutely reuse it for back cover copy that ends up on the final book, which has happened many times. And that's informed readers that know the book that they're trying to sell and know where they live in their category. And all of that is done by research. So being informed about the kind of category that you're writing into, who your contemporaries are, all of that work goes into the query letter, goes into how you position yourself as a debut writer. And all of that really makes each step really stand out along the way. Jocelyn, do you have a number one tip? I think it is to, if you're like feedback, whenever you're showing people, which you have to show people if you're going to get, you know, so finding beta readers, finding critique partners, finding other writers, I think is important, not just friends and family, but finding other people who you can really share it with. Um, And if you have actionable feedback, like really thinking about it, step away for a little while. Don't just be like, no, you know, like <laughs> that's not like really think about it. And then if you can see, just try it, like just try it. And even if you're like, I know I'm not going to keep this because sometimes I'm surprised whenever I try it and it actually works, even if I initially was like, mm, no. So that's one of the big things. And then the other thing is if there's not actionable feedback and someone just like hates it, don't worry about it because there's so many best selling books that I've picked up that I didn't love, you know, but obviously lots of people loved them. Mm -hmm. So if someone is just like, "Uh, no, it's not for me, don't take it personally. They're just not your person and Mm -hmm. keep looking, keep trying to find someone who does resonate because they're out there. You'll find the right person. Adrienne, the way she talks about my book, like makes me all warm and gooey inside. And so it makes all of the rejections that I've gotten before just not matter Mm because they weren't my person. Oh my gosh, that's a perfect way to end. Thank you, ladies. So appreciate you coming in today to talk about your working relationship. Thank you, Thank you so much for having us. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with First Pages Podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.